Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and physical therapy pearls of wisdom to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is really to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. Before we dive in on our neck optimization podcast, I want to talk about the other end of our body being our feet. And the one thing that Jen and I do to prioritize and to optimize our foot health is wear Vivo Barefoot Shoes. It has been shown and proven that just wearing barefoot shoes for the majority of your day over six months can improve your foot strength up to 70%. Both Jen and I have noticed this improvement drastically over the past three to four years of primarily wearing Vivo Barefoot shoes. We love them. We wear them for everything. They have options for any activity, whether you're going out for a walk, working out, lifting heavy weights, going to the beach, going to a fancier dress-up event. They even have shoes for first walkers like our little guy, Dante, and we have just started to get him into their Pluma series which is their first walker series that they have just started to come out with. We are so excited. And if you want to check out Vivo Barefoot Shoes and feel some of these benefits for yourself, go down to the link in the show notes and you can get a special 15% off that we only offer to our podcast audience using code TOB at checkout like The Optimal Body. That's code TOB. So go down to the link in the show notes. Make sure you use code TOB at checkout and get yourself in some barefoot shoes today. All right, so today we have episode two for our whole body optimization series where we're trying to talk about all the different areas of the body, how you can best optimize that health using the movement tools that we feel would best help you for that area. We did low back in our PT Pearl from two weeks ago. We're going to move into upper back next PT Pearl, which is two weeks from now. And today we're talking about the neck Mm -hmm. and I mean, the neck is such an interesting part of the body because it is the upper seven cervical vertebrae. Each vertebrae is like one of those little bones in your spine. It's the little knobs that you feel on your back when you feel your spine on your back. And it's such an area that is at risk of kind of being the crutch people use where they have restrictions elsewhere. Yeah. And so a lot of people have neck pain. Yeah, I think I was looking at something earlier, one of the studies that and it showed that this was like the fourth leading cause of people living with disability yeah. was having this neck pain. And yeah. millions of people suffer from neck pain every year. So it's like, okay, what can we do to help <laughs> optimize it so that you're not you know, disabled due to your neck or what you see on an image. And I think that's, you know, something that's so crucial. And speaking of images, we've done specific podcasts. So if you want, like, if you want to dive in a little bit more specifically, say you have been diagnosed with disc herniations in your neck, or you feel like you have text neck and you're working at a desk all the time, or you get tension headaches, we're going to have all those episodes linked up in the show notes um, because mm-hmm. we've done specific episodes on those diagnoses. But today we're going to talk more general on what you can do to just optimize the health of your spine moving forward. And where we want to start is talking about the structure and the function of the neck. You know, I mentioned it's the top portion of our spine, those first seven vertebrae. And the cervical spine is also unique because vertebrae one, C1, and number seven, C7, are completely different looking. (laughs) They, They look nothing alike. C1 is called the atlas. So it's like the very top. 
C7 is right where we transition into that thoracic spine or thoracic vertebrae. It looks a lot more like a thoracic vertebrae. Um, and at C1, we get a lot more rotation. You know, that's one of the reasons you can turn your head side to side so well. C7 is a bit stiffer. It's not as structured to get great mobility, more like a thoracic vertebrae. Um, and I know that y you were talking before we got on to record as to why people will feel such pain up in the, the high cervical spine because we tend to rotate from there. And right. that's when we'll try to turn our head and feel kind of that sharp pain really high up. Yeah. I mean, especially like if you just see where your neck kind of connects into your skull or into the back of your head, and if you kind of put some pressure and some tension, you might be like, ooh, that feels really tight. Or, oh, that kind of <laughs> triggers a little bit of that neck you know, or head tension that I kind of get. Well, if we're constantly looking forward and we get kind of like that, that pinching and that tightness really high up, you might notice, oh, maybe it is a little more difficult for me to rotate and look over my shoulder one way or the other, because we're starting to limit that, that rotation. And not that it's bad to get that forward head posture. It's going to happen when we're, you know, working on a computer mm -hmm. or focusing in on something, our head goes forward with our gaze, but it's if we're not moving out of that position and yeah. a lot of other things that we're going to talk about. And we have to know that Though the neck we're going to talk about is an area of stability, we have mobility throughout the whole neck. So you should be able to drop your ear toward one shoulder. That's side bending. Drop it toward the other shoulder. We should be able to rotate like we talked about. We should ideally try to touch our chin to our chest. So if you were to look down, and can your chin touch your chest? I'm like two fingers off, I think almost. Yeah, I'm about pretty two close, fingers but off. But if I like open my mouth and jut my chin out and cheat is what he's <laughs> <laughs> and then your nose should be able to point up uh to the ceiling and ideally you're able to do all these motions without any pinching pain or restrictions Pausing for a quick second, have you got into the Mobility Foundations course yet? Now, we have a very special discount only for our podcast listeners. If you didn't get the opportunity to get in at the early bird price, if you use code OPTIMAL10, OPTIMAL10, that's going to get you $10 off of the currently discounted price, which gets you back into that early bird price bracket. So I highly recommend if you haven't yet, please, please get in with us. We're going to start on November 6th and there's so much we're going over within the 30 days. So we're going to start with day one, having nine self-assessments plus a workbook to really understand what is going on within your body. And then 28 days of consistent mobility, only ranging from three to eight minutes, requiring little to no equipment and really learning about your body as we progress from passive mobility into active, eccentric and loaded mobility, when each stage is needed, what it really means hitting the most important joints within our body so that we help free up the pressure from our neck. If we really understand how to improve that mobility around the entire rib cage, our upper back, thoracic spine, and our shoulders and shoulder blades, I'm going to tell you, your neck is going to feel so much more free. So please get into the Mobility Foundations course. This is the last week that you can use this code. This is the last week that it's going to be discounted this low. And so you can still get in that early bird rate. Use code 
Optimal 10. We're going to have that link down in the show notes if you haven't checked it out yet, or just go to gen.health backslash foundations and you can join our Mobility Foundations course. And not only when you join us right now and starting in November 6th, do you get access to this incredible program, but you have the opportunity to win prizes just for signing up. So just for signing up into this course, you have the opportunity to win prizes. So I really hope that you take this chance learn about your body, come dive in with the community, come ask questions and move daily to start to understand what this mobility can really feel like within your body and how to properly progress it. I really hope you get in. Okay, back into the episode. And another thing that we often have people tell us or that they've been told, oh, I got an image and I've been told I have a straight cervical spine. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look anatomically and the pictures you always see, cervical spines or our neck tend to have that lordotic curve where it's it's kind of like our low back it tends to have a little more of a i mean it's hard to explain what a lo- lordotic not i mean forward bend i think more of rounding oh, oh, <laughs> or yeah. you know like our thoracic spine tends to have more of that kyphotic curve <laughs> the opposite of the lordotic yeah. curve but i am many of you might know what I'm, what I'm talking about and then people say oh i was told my cervical spine is straight mm-hmm. and Jen has a little study or some research that she wants to bring up um, that kind of debunks this whole concept of, oh, I have an image that says my cervical spine is straight, or I have an image that says I have degeneration. Because many people want to point to an image that, to their you know credit, they've been told by a provider, oh, you have degeneration in your cervical spine that is such and such, or it's this bad, or I'm surprised you're even (laughs) walking or moving your arms. The crazy things that providers will tell us when they say, see our image. And then that's where they try to justify their services, whether that be whatever it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But again, when we look into the research, we don't want to be the people who are trying to say, hey, your image has absolutely nothing to do with why why you're feeling pain. It's not related at all. But we do want to say that there is very loose and very low correlations to what we see on images and people who are actually presenting with pain. Right. And I think that's what's important to continue to look at the research in conjunction with how we're moving, feeling and and seeing people in person. Right. Research isn't everything. We, We know this. We talk about it. But it is something to to point out that, okay. If what they're looking at here, they're looking at 20 year olds and they took MRIs of people who have no like clinically relevant symptoms. Wasn't it 20 and 60 year olds? 20 and 60 year olds. So in the 20 year olds, they saw that 17% of males had Mm -hmm. degenerative changes of their spine. 20 years old. Just want to point that out. No symptoms, no pain, nothing going on. And 12% of females. So already in your 20s, you can start to see some degenerative changes happening. And then people in their 60s, also no clinical symptoms or anything going on. 86% of males had some degenerative changes and 89% of females. So it's funny how it switched from... (laughs) Yeah, getting later (laughs) in life. However... Again, important to note that as we see with age from 20 to 60, we're going to see changes on the outside of the body, right? Age-related changes with wrinkles and and sagging skin and, and mm-hmm. changes that we see externally. Well, it's normal and age-related to then also see some changes happening internally within the disc and in the spine. And we're, we're aging all together. So it's not necessarily bad or dangerous to see degenerative changes. And what they saw over a progression of 10 years of looking at these 20 and 60-year-olds, 
is that they saw that there was a progression of 81% of degeneration on these images. Like 81% of people saw progression of their degeneration. Right. Right. So uh, what degree of progression? I don't exactly know. know, But like there was progression in 81% of people, right? Sounds concerning. (laughs) However, only 34% of people reported some sort of symptoms now happening. Yeah. So that means there is less than 50% of people who saw, you know... Progression on their image. But actual felt something within their body. Clinically relevant symptoms. And that's just like one thing that helps point out this loose correlation as to when people try to say, oh, look at this degeneration in your spine. This is why you're having pain. I would immediately say to them, there is no research that says what my image looks like is the reason or is 100% of the reason I have pain. There's a much bigger picture that we need to look at as to why we develop pain in certain areas. And, And we encourage people to discourage their providers from giving them that as the reason like and, and the only thing that they sh- could be looking at because yeah. we don't know how long especially again if 20 year olds can have 20 year olds <laughs> degeneration of the spine we don't know how long that has been there and you've been having no pain and all of a sudden now you're feeling symptoms you know there's so much more that could be going on and we've talked about this before whether it's stress related whether you're not getting sleep getting good nutrients whether you're going through a really traumatic time in your life uh, whether you're just not moving a lot maybe you're working a ton mm-hmm. at your job and you're more static and sedentary than you've been in the past you know there's so many things that relate to pain within the body um, so Outside of that, though, our job is movement. So we want to mm-hmm. talk about what you can do to optimize yeah. movement of your body. Let's get to the meat of it. The things that people are like, okay, this is all great, but what do I do? Yeah. And we often like to point to this joint by joint method that mm-hmm. will bring up in a lot of different scenarios where certain joints we'd like to have or or form a little more stability in the body where certain joints or areas we like to have a little more mobility in the body. Mm -hmm. Um, The neck is one of those areas we should be having more stability. Does this mean that we should just be rigid and stable and not move in this area? No. And we're (laughs) going to talk a little bit more about what stability in the neck should look like in our next point. But that's where the joints around the neck, the thoracic spine, the shoulders and shoulder blades, tend to be places we want to see more mobility. Mm -hmm. And that's why one of our first points in how to optimize neck health is look at the joints nearby, specifically thoracic spine and rib cage, Mm -hmm. our shoulders and our shoulder blades. Mm -hmm. So one thing that we can just start to do, um, you know, where... I think when people hear mobility, they first think of, I'm just going to passively stretch then, especially for the neck. I'm just going to pull my my head, my ear down to my shoulder. And we're saying, no, no, I want you to look lower. I want you to not look at the neck. I want you to look at the upper back and how that's moving. And when it comes to mobility, it doesn't mean just passive stretching. And this is what I... This is why we created Mobility Foundations, which is our new course that's launching super soon. Because I want you to understand finally what mobility really means and what is most important within your own individual body. It might be a little bit more passive. It might be more active. It might be eccentric or loaded. And there's a progression of how we go through within the month that shows you for these specific areas that we believe in the body based on the joint by method that should be entail more mobility for your for you. We are going to go through what that means passively, how to then actively load it, 
then how to eccentrically lengthen it, and then how to functionally load it within the body. So we're going to go through this whole progression. Every single day you get a new mobility video, which is kind of wild. And we're going to address primarily in the first three days of every single week, rib cage mobility, upper back, and shoulder health. So yeah. how funny is it's it that funny. we're talking about it? We didn't even plan it that way. I know. Believe it, believe us or not, <laughs> like didn't even plan it, but three of the specific areas that Jen focuses on in this Mobility Foundations course is what we believe would would help our neck health if we mm-hmm. gain mobility in it. And, and it's probably because when you were forming that course, you wanted to focus on those areas that we should be more mobile. Yes. So that, so that does make a little bit of sense. But this course starts November 6th, mm-hmm. right? It's still on discount. Um, discount. Mm-hmm. So price is going up um, Friday. So make sure you get in on that. Also, if you use code optimal, our podcast listeners get a little extra discount. Yeah. So bonus on getting in now. Um, but let's let's talk about it. Yeah. Our thoracic spine, our rib cage, shoulders and shoulder blades. There's one exercise that, you know, we can kind of use as an example that can really help all all of these areas at once. Mm-hmm. And that's the open book. <laughs> and yeah, starting one of my go-tos. <laughs> right. One of the go-tos. And in more of a passive method, if you're kind of like doing it where you're laying on the ground with your knee over, maybe pressing into a foam roller or a pillow or something, mm-hmm. and then opening up. You're getting through the thoracic spine, that rotation. When you open all the way up, we like to encourage a deep breath into the rib cage and an exhale. So then you're expanding through the rib cage, getting that good mobility through the rib cage. And then as you exhale, cut, trying to go a little bit further into that thoracic rotation or the upper back rotation. And then during that, what your upper body is doing is you're getting that shoulder blade moving back into retraction, forward into protraction as we're pushing forward um, at the beginning of the open book exercise and then reaching back. And then we're also getting some shoulder movement itself. Yeah. And you get that rib cage to really open and expand with that, which helps with that upper back mobility. And then we can make it more active. So that was Mm -hmm. more passive using the breath, really relaxing into it. Right. And then if you want to make it more active, another exercise you could do that I love is just going near a wall. And I like doing it in half kneeling because it kind of helps to set that pelvis and low back. So if you kind of squeeze your glutes and kind of sitting into that half kneeling position, really tall in the spine. And then so you have the the front leg is the leg that's closest to the wall. And then you're going to rotate toward the wall. So now you have to rotate toward the leg that's in front without it. So it's going to kind of lock out that low back again. So your shoulder has to reach up and over. So you get good mm-hmm. shoulder and shoulder blade mobility. You breathe in to help expand and open that rib cage to allow those muscles to kind of open and work. And then that upper back has to extend and rotate. So we get this whole movement of that upper body kind of working. Mm -hmm. And when we free up the movement of our upper body, our neck can now kind of naturally start to rest on top of our body. Because if your upper back is stiff and leaning forward, well, our neck is following that pattern. Our neck is going forward and getting a little stiffer. Or if I don't know how to glide in my shoulder blades along my rib cage, well, then my upper traps and my levator scap are kind of doing more of the work every time I lift my arms. And so you might feel a lot of tension in that neck or headaches. And that neck tends to end up working a little bit harder. So if we can free up what's happening below the neck, we naturally start to stack our posture without forcing anything and we free up tension at the neck. That's why we recommend this. Yeah, and I mean, those are just two examples. One that's a little bit more passive in the open book 
this active one that's against the wall where I like the added component of the arm going up and around because then you're getting a lot more of the different ranges that the shoulder and the shoulder blade mm-hmm. um, should be getting and you're doing it a little more actively. Uh, but there are so many more examples of ways that you can work on thoracic spine. And we're going to get creative in the in the mobility, mobility foundations, foundations to course. show you how to get more specific on that. Absolutely. And there's so many amazing benefits that can come from that course. So um, come join us. But then <laughs> going into neck. Yeah. So stability. We talk about neck as being something that's stable. This doesn't mean rigid. This doesn't mean it doesn't move. Jen earlier talked about the six different ways that the neck can move into the side bends, flexion, extension, and rotation to both ways. So how do we develop stability Mm -hmm. to be able to control through all that range of motion Mm -hmm. so that our neck feels safe to go through all that range of motion and we're not just cranking all the way to the end ranges feeling unsupported Mm -hmm. in a way that might cause our muscles to want to guard or want to spasm. Yeah. And so one of the first ways I think most people have heard of a chin tuck and that's um, kind of pulling that chin back so that we start to work on the deep neck flexors in the front of our Mm -hmm. neck. Right. And that helps to kind of support if you think of more of that soldier type of posture, you know, we're Mm -hmm. getting that neck kind of back. But we don't want to just jet the neck straight back. What I like to think about is that neck is or that head is kind of rotating along an axis. So the chin is going to go down and back as the top as the back of the head comes up and forward. And we end up kind of rotating up and back and almost like there's a string at the back of the top of the head and it's kind of lifting you up right so we get this backward motion with a little bit of a lift and that helps to kind of more so align and get into a more natural posture one thing i do want to note too and this is something i've told our members is that when you're doing a chin tuck the goal isn't to get as back as far as possible it's where is my body functionally so if i go into that chin tuck position can i swallow i was gonna say that's a good Good barometer for if you're just jamming your chin way too far back into a place that's abnormal or unnatural for your own body. Because people will always do the exercises against the wall Mm -hmm. and you'll hear hear people say, okay, you want your pelvis, your low Mm -hmm. back and your the top of your head against the wall. And some people are like, my head is, my head's a whole fist width away from the wall. And that's fine. That might be exactly where you need to be right now. Um, But I like the chin tuck and try to swallow method. And once, okay, first off, I know if people are listening, it can be hard to understand exactly what we're talking about. So we do have YouTube highlight versions of all of our podcasts. And if you go and watch that, you might be able to get the visual representation of us demonstrating these exercises. On Dr. and Fit on YouTube. uh, Yeah, Dr. and Fit on YouTube um, of what we are actually talking about. And it should be down linked down in the show notes as well, the, the YouTube version of the episode. But after we just work on this chin tuck, then we want to talk about, okay, how can we load it? How can we mm-hmm. build endurance in those muscles? Mm-hmm. Great way to do that is lay on your back, um, kind of laying supine on your back and then get into that chin tuck and just barely lift uh, the back, back of your head off the ground. I mean, enough to maybe slide your hand underneath, but mm-hmm. barely. And you'll feel it kick in really quick. There's actually tests we do. It's the deep cervical neck flexor (laughs) endurance test um, where you see how long you can hold before you feel that chin jut out um, or need to put your head back down. Um, Another way to then use this chin tuck while introducing the movement is get in all fours 
in kind of a quadruped on your hands and knees type position. And then you can do the chin tuck and work with your ear towards your shoulders, side to side, get the chin tuck and do some light rotation, chin tuck and try to lift your head back. So you're going into that extension and it helps you start to explore in this slightly more stable posture using those deep cervical neck flexors through all six of those movements. And if you remember kind of like that chin tuck position and then go into your regular workout. So anytime you're loading the spine through weight training and stuff, like how can I kind of pull that head again, not all the way back, not into an uncomfortable position or, but just you're starting to help create that stability in the neck. And that's going to help create that stability all throughout that trunk as well. So if I'm doing deadlifts and squats and wanting to keep a more stable base, you start to understand how to do that within your body under load. So, you know, so many ways to help create that stability, I think is really important to learn within that neck. And then that's where it takes us into our last point about neck health. And this is where in order to start to prevent a lot of that tension buildup at the neck, in order to help reduce any guarding or accessory muscle use at the top of the neck by lifting the shoulders up to the ears, we have to be able to efficiently use our breath. Mm -hmm. And this is so incredibly important, especially when we go back to you know our other point about getting better mobility through our body. Well, using our low rib cage to start to expand in our breath in a 360 degree pattern. So not just belly breathing and letting your belly relax, that's in addition, but putting your hands on the sides of your low rib cage and saying, can I breathe into the sides of my low rib cage without my neck turning on, without mm -hmm. my shoulders rising up to my ears? So sometimes doing this in front of a mirror is really, it can highlight a lot of like, oh wow, my neck muscles just want to fire as soon as I inhale. Like that can tell a lot of the story of what's happening of the constant tension that's happening around the neck. So just starting to work on this breath can really help to reduce a lot of the tension at that neck. Yeah. I mean, if you've listened to our podcast before, you know, Jen and I are breath junkies as far <laughs> as what we think it can do for our body. And I think so many people who have tension in different areas of the body, breath is, is usually always a contributor mm -hmm. in some way or another, whether that's in your rib cage you aren't moving well through your low rib cage. You are very stiff in your upper rib cage because we use all those accessory muscles, mm -hmm. which guess what? Many of those accessory breathing muscles attach into our thoracic spine, our neck, our shoulders, our shoulder blades, and cause tension in all of those different areas. So if we're not breathing effectively, if we're using our accessory muscles far too much, that might be causing restrictions in movement in all of those areas or mm -hmm. different aches or pains in some of those different areas. So breathing effectively can do so much to just reduce that tension in those areas, help us start to form good movement patterns mm -hmm. because we don't have this unnecessary tension that has come from our breath um, and start programming into our autonomic nervous system, mm -hmm. the one that controls our breath, this good breathing pattern with movement, with movement, how it quote unquote should be for our own body. <laughs> yeah. And this is where then we'll talk about, okay, 
This is where you can use your neck stretches. If you like your neck stretches, we're not saying to not do them. I I, yeah. I do them. I like them. You know, and this is where you keep your shoulder stable. Maybe you grab onto a chair and you use your other hand to slowly assist your your ear to your shoulder or your nose down to your um, armpit. Those are those are great stretches. They help to relieve a lot of tension. And they can feel good. In the neck and, and they feel good. But the number one thing that you need to be doing because you're not you're not creating length in the muscles. And I think that's what we we believe about stretching, right? Is that, oh, I'm making the muscle longer now. Well, sometimes that muscle is already long <laughs> because you're hanging out with your head forward. Instead, it's helping to reduce tension. And the number one thing like Dom just talked about that's gonna help to reduce tension is using the breath. So when you do those neck stretches, don't think about cranking as hard as possible. Think about relaxing into the breath as much as possible, taking a long inhale and an even longer exhale. And rather, sometimes I like to say, rather than focusing on the time that you're holding that stretch, you're thinking, can I do five long deep breaths, right? <laughs> and can I feel no tension by the end of this where I'm not you know, just cranking into that position or I'm not fighting my body and trying to stretch against it. Like I am just going into the range that my body feels comfortable with and using my breath to help relax it. Like that's how you should be using these stretches. It's not cranking. It's about relaxation. Yeah. I mean, breath is just the magical equalizer that helps you open up, quote, your own medicine cabinet. I mm -hmm. always say breath helps, helps us unlock the medicine cabinet that is right up between our ears, which is our brain. And you're looking for a muscle relaxant. Okay, breathe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, breathe calmly enough, long enough. You will, you know, release some of the tension in your muscles to relax them. It is that calm, parasympathetic style breath that helps us feel safe in new ranges of motion. It's when we're not breathing effectively and we're cranking into a stretch and we're breathing in a more of a sympathetic pattern that we're telling our body. You're not safe in that range of motion. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, breath we could talk about for for days, but those are the main three tips for for neck health. Make sure you look at the areas above and below. Hit that thoracic spine, the rib cage, shoulders and shoulder blades. Find stability in that neck so you feel safe moving through the range of motion that you do have, and use your breath to best set up that neck for success um, in, in all those different ways that we just talked about. And I just want to add one little tidbit, you know, I think when it comes to building resilience in the body, we can't forget, you know, we talked about the stability and like using it under a load, but it's so important to get strong within your body and don't mm -hmm. be afraid to get strong in your upper body and get stronger upper traps all around, lower traps, mid traps, all the traps, <laughs> get strong. It's going to mm -hmm. help to support your neck in the long run. And if you need more support with understanding this mobility, I really would highly encourage you to join Mobility Foundations. It's going to be that foundational course that's taking you through the self-assessments, the understanding of what we're talking about, all these areas that should be more mobile and how to properly and progress them for your own individual body. So I'm really excited about the course and I hope you join us. I hope that was supportive. Again, we have those other episodes on neck herniations, tech neck, other things that you can go listen to. They're down in the show notes specifically linked, but what's also linked is that Mobility Foundations course. So don't forget to use code OPTIMAL. You get a little discount for being our podcast listener and sticking around and continuing to learn with us. We really appreciate you being here and we can't wait for the next episode.